So as we've been talking about today, we continue our Get Connected sermon series. Uh, The last two weeks, we've looked at God's eternal plan for us, and then the new life that he has created us to live, that he's given to us. Today, we're going to be looking at how that new life is specifically lived out in the context of the families that he's given to us. And as we do that, uh, we'll be looking primarily at our text from Ephesians 5 and 6, and our theme verse will be verse uh, 521. Let's read this together. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now prepare yourselves because today's message is going to be all about the S word. Not, not sword like uh, Sean Connery would say in Celebrity Jeopardy. And not the S word that a few of you might be thinking of. Uh, the S word that we're talking about today is submission. Now you probably have a pretty good idea of what that word means, and uh, perhaps you're not a very big fan of it or what it stands for, but did you know that there is actually a major world religion called submission? It's true. How many of you knew that? I bet, I bet you've heard of it. It's actually uh, known to you probably as Islam. The word Islam is an Arabic word that means submission when it's translated directly into English. And Muslims call their religion Islam because it is all about submitting everything to Allah, submitting their entire lives to their God. Now they actually don't have it all wrong. It's just that the object of their submission is a little off because they don't know God truly as he has made himself known to us in the face of Jesus Christ. But we are to submit ourselves to God in everything, James tells us. Now the word submit comes from two Latin words, meaning to to send under, to be sent under. In other words, to submit something is, is to entrust it to someone else's care, to offer it up to them, for them to do with it what they will. Like when you submit an assignment to a professor or an, an application to a potential employer, a manuscript to a publisher. And so to submit ourselves to one another is to give ourselves to someone else for their benefit and for them to do with what they will. Now this is perhaps a bit of an unsettling thing, but this is the kind of relationship that God tells us to live out in our families. God wants us to submit to one another, to put ourselves under one another. Now, we all have trouble doing this, don't we? This is not easy for us. We find it very difficult because we are, as we confess often, we are by nature sinful, and that means we are by nature self-centered. It's really hard for us to put anyone else's needs above our own. And our culture militates against this idea as well. Be your own man, it says. Now, stand up for your rights as a woman. Don't let your parents tell you how to live your life. Submission is not the natural way that we tend to go. But here's the thing. It is the way of Christ. As disciples of Jesus, we follow a Savior who submitted to the will of his Father and who even placed himself under us as he was lifted up on a cross to die for us. And so when we submit to one another, particularly to our own family members, we are submitting to and we are showing reverence for Christ. 
by following his example and emulating his love. So let's take a look at how God calls each one of us in whatever family role we find ourselves to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, I'll talk to you first because that's where Paul begins. Now in verse 22, Paul says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. There's that tough word, submit, again. And its context here has made this verse in particular increasingly unpopular. There have even been discussions in the Christian church about whether Paul's words here can still apply in today's world that stands for equality and freedom for all people regardless of gender. Can we understand Paul's words in a way that won't offend modern sensibilities? Should we somehow soften them somehow so that they don't make us so uncomfortable? Well, I have a few thoughts on that. First of all, in one big sense, I do not care. Now let me explain what I mean by that. This is God's word. And if God says something, I don't care what anyone else's opinion on the matter is. God is clearly saying here that there is something about the husband and wife relationship where God calls the wife to honor and respect her husband as the head of the household. And Paul says this actually in a number of different places. We can't just say that this is some old-fashioned, fuddy-duddy male chauvinist saying these things. It's God. We don't get to decide if he's right or wrong. God is always right. And so I have no interest whatsoever in changing or softening the word of God to make anyone more comfortable with it. That being said, what is often missed in this discussion is that a wife submitting to her husband is really an extension of what God calls all members of the family to do for one another. In fact, the word submit does not appear in the Greek in verse 22 at all, but it's carried over grammatically from verse 21. Literally, verses 21 and 22 read more like this in the Greek. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, to your husbands, as to the Lord. And so what submission does not mean in this context is allowing your husband to walk all over you, to neglect you or the kids, to berate you or mistreat you. Incredibly sadly, this verse has even been used by some as a justification for, for a husband physically abusing his wife. This could not be further from what Paul is saying here. What Paul is saying is that a wife is to honor and uplift her husband, to support him, and help him to be the man that God created him to be, and to trust and encourage him to lead your family in life and in faith. And so, husbands... I turn to you now. Don't misunderstand your role. You are not the boss in every sense of the word. But you already knew that, didn't you? A lot of, a lot of uh, wives were laughing there and the husbands were kind of like, yeah. However, you do have a very, very important role as the head of your household, as the spiritual leader of your family. In fact, the type of submission that God requires of you to show your wife is the most difficult of all. According to Paul, you have a really tough job. You have to be Jesus to your wife. 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. God requires husbands to show their wives a self-sacrificing, your needs are more important than mine attitude and mentality. You know, sometimes when I come home from a long day at the office or or hospital visits or or meetings, I don't feel like putting Emily's needs first. And and God knows, and he really does, that... uh, that I failed to do that too many times. But Jesus didn't just plop down on the couch and have someone make him a sandwich when life got taxing. He took up his cross and he gave his life for his bride, the church. And when we pray to him, Jesus is not watching the Lions game and only pretending to listen. I don't know if Jesus watches the Lions anyway, actually, but the point is he is invested in us, and he continues to give of himself for our every need. This is what husbands are to do for their wives. As Paul says, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Care for your wife, provide for her, and do those things with strength and with tenderness toward her. First Peter 3 7 says, Husbands, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. In Colossians, Paul says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. You see, marriage is a high-resolution picture of Christ and the church, so much so that Paul says that all that one-flesh stuff in Genesis is first of all about Jesus' love for us and second of all about husbands and wives. So husbands, love like Jesus. Next, Paul talks to the children. Now, kids, many of you came up here a few minutes ago and talked with me about God's gift of family. This is good timing, Ethan. (laughs) What we talked about up here um, is the same thing that Paul talks about in the letter that we've been reading together in church. He says, if we can get it up here, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he quotes the fourth commandment. Boys and girls, what is the fourth commandment? Anybody? It's grown strangely silent. Jared? Honor your mother and father. Honor your father and mother. Very good. Extra points for him later today. So God says that if you do this, if you listen to your parents, if you do what they say and don't talk back to them, things will go well for you. It's God's first command with a promise, Paul says, so it's extra important for us to know about and to follow. This is true for for very little ones. It's true for those of you who are in high school or in college. We already read a little bit from Proverbs. Uh, Elsewhere, God says in Proverbs, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland of grace for you and a chain to adorn your neck. I can tell you from experience that this will prove to be true even if you don't see it now. When you submit to your parents, good things will happen. And finally, parents. Being a parent is a delightful and maddening thing, isn't it? A good friend of mine uh, from high school, he was actually, he and his wife, uh, Their wedding was the first wedding I did as a pastor, and so I take a little bit of responsibility for this. Uh, They have an eight-month-old daughter, and uh, he posted this on Facebook the other day. It says, 
Want to completely turn your world upside down and give up all your selfish desires? Have a baby girl. You will experience a love like you've never even imagined was possible. I promise. It's true. With boys, too. See, Ethan doesn't care that Emily and I are not really morning people. He is. He's going to be hungry. He's going to need a diaper change, no matter uh, what we feel like doing. He can drive us crazy sometimes. But there is nothing better in the world than being his dad, even when he likes to uh, try to preach right along with me. So my first piece of advice for parents, not so much from Ephesians, but from me, is this. Let your children completely unmake you and teach you in a brand new way every day what love truly is. Well, how else can we respond faithfully to this gift of family and children that God gives to us parents? There's far too much for me to say uh, than I can say in our time here, but, but Paul says in Ephesians, not to exasperate your children, but to raise them in the faith. I think one thing that he's saying is that we parents have a responsibility, on the one hand, not to be so strict on our children that they become resentful. On the other hand, we also have a responsibility to discipline them. Now, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about this as well. It says things like, The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Elsewhere it says, Discipline your son and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Appropriately disciplining your children is God's desire for you as parents. Now you're going to hear many opinions on, on how to do that nowadays. But seek God's will in his word and you will not be led astray. And neither will your children. I also wanted to make you aware of another resource. Um, our very own Kay List has put together a Facebook page called Frankenmuth Parents Empowering Parents. And I'd encourage you, if you're on Facebook, uh, to find that page and then to like it so that you can uh, take part in the occasional ideas and encouragements that she shares on there to help you as, as you raise your kids in the faith. Now when it comes to that, to raising your children in the faith, I think for most of us, um, it goes without saying that the mother is incredibly important in that. And it goes without saying because it's absolutely true. But I want to say something specific to, to all the dads out there today. Several different studies over the years have emphasized how vital the father's role is in the faith life of his children. For example, one study has shown that, that if mom takes her kids to church every week without dad, about 2%, 2% of those children end up going to church regularly when they get older. On the other hand, if dad brings the kids to church without mom, that number jumps up to 44%. One study has suggested that dads have twice the influence that moms have on helping their kids to make godly decisions in the area of sexuality during their teen years. This isn't to say that, that moms are not important because we know they are. It goes without saying. But dads, take leadership in your family. Make sure your family worships together. Make sure your family is praying together. Make sure your family has daily time together in God's word. You know, our, uh, if you take your service folder, right under the sermon notes, we have those connect points. And this is something that, that we pastors have been doing uh, since Connect started because we want to provide for you just a little bit of a starting point 
for how you can be in the Word together. So we have a few discussion questions that go along with the sermon, a, a prayer challenge. And then we, we try to really take some time to pick some good other passages that were not in the worship service that you can look at together as a family to, uh, to kind of dive a little deeper into the topic. So I'd encourage you to make use of that. Um, and also for our, for our husbands and fathers, we have a drama that we're going to see in just a minute here uh, during the offering that's going to also provide you some, some advice, some encouragement for you to take up the role that God's called you to as a husband and a father. Now, there's been a lot of advice today for how to live as God calls you to live in your family. The reality is, many of us here today come from families where the things that Paul talks about have not been lived out. Some of us have experienced the deep pain of absent parents or unfaithful spouses, delinquent children. God wants to remind you today, in fact, God wants to remind all of us, that we have been made a part of a perfect family with a perfect father because our Savior and brother, Jesus, showed us what true and loving submission looks like when he gave his life for us. As we heard earlier in our service, the words of John, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. As we wrap up our Get Connected series next week, we're going to be talking about the unity that we have as God's children and as God's people made holy and blameless by Christ. And as we close our message today, I, I want to really encourage you to, to truly reflect on how God is calling you as an individual to live and get connected with his gift of family. And, and I'd like to do something here. I want you to, uh, to have an opportunity to pledge yourself to living that calling out. So what I'd like to do is, if you are a husband here today, uh, could you please stand right now? Husbands, will you love your wife as Christ loved the church? Will you put her first and treat her with tenderness and respect, being her pillar and strong leader? If so, maybe look at her and say, yes, I will. If you're a father, you can uh, stay standing, and uh, if not, you can sit down. Fathers, will you daily teach your children about Jesus, discipline them in love, and put their needs before your own? If so, say, yes, I will. You can have a seat. Wives, I'd ask you to stand up. Wives, will you honor and respect your husbands? Submitting to them and supporting them as they lead your family. If so, say, yes, I will. If you're a mother, please stay standing. Mothers, will you daily teach your children about Jesus, discipline them in love, and put their needs before your own? If so, say, yes, I will. Thanks. You can sit down. Kids who are living at home, whether you're a, a little tyke or you're in college or whatever, could you stand up, please? Will you honor your father and mother, listen to them and obey them, and treat your brothers and sisters with love? If so, say, yes, I will. All right, let's have everybody stand. Your parents heard that, by the way. All right, everybody, I ask you, will you submit to one another 
out of reverence for Christ? If so, say loudly together, yes, we will. Yes, we will. If you haven't done this already, I'd encourage you to jot down a thought or two from the message or from our reading from Ephesians in your sermon notes section about how you can practically apply this to your family life. May God grant us the desire and the ability to do that, to honor him. And once again, as Paul ends his letter to the Ephesians, we end our time together today. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to ask you to stay standing for just a moment, and I'd like to share a prayer with you. As we do that, those who are in our drama, if you can come up and kind of get in position. Let's pray. Father, we are humbled by your gift of family that you've given to us. Uh, Some of us have have struggled with that gift, uh, whether with, with how we have treated our family, with how we have been treated by our family. But Lord, we know that you have made us a part of your family. And that encourages us, that drives us to live as loving members uh, of our own families. Help us, uh, whether we're husbands or fathers, wives or mothers, children, wherever you've placed us, Lord, help us to have open eyes to what you've called us to. Help us to live out um, the, the gift of family that you give to us so we can show the world uh, how beautiful it is to live with you and to live with one another. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.